Hello, and welcome to the Brennan Book Blog. I am your host, Kate Brennan, and today we have a whole new group of compulsively readable books that are bound to make you curse the clock and miss your stop. In honor of Thanksgiving, and this, the busiest travel time of the year, today we are highlighting Flights of Fancy, books for the holiday traveler. Whether the trip is on a river through oppressive heat of 1930s New Guinea, a clandestine tryst in Prague, a lonely voyage to Mars, or even an accidental dial-up into the future, these novels are bound to take you places. So, if you are waiting for your flight to board, or if you're just waiting and bored, prepare to take a flight of fancy. Euphoria by Lily King I did not anticipate a tale about three anthropologists mired in the tribal cultures of 1930s New Guinea to be a one-sitting read. As you may have garnered already, I am often wrong. I should have known from anthropologist Nell's observation about halfway through that things were bound to end painfully, but I simply couldn't stop myself. She says, Tragedy is based on the sense that there's been a terrible mistake, isn't it? And there is some terrible mistake, but who made it exactly, I'm not entirely sure. Was it one of the three scientists triangulated against the others? Was it of timing? Of place? Of circumstance? Or was it a mistake of more innate inevitability? Of humanity? A mistake we ourselves didn't make but are doomed to pay for forever? That inevitability, as tangible as it was, pulled me through the pages. Navigating the river for hours in the oppressive heat and blackness, plagued by bugs and desolation in equal measures, the anthropologist banks and notes. Sometimes at night it seemed to me that my boat was not being pushed by the engine, but that the boat and engine both were being pulled by the river itself, the ripples of wake just a design, like a stage set moving along with us. This is exactly how the novel drew me mercilessly onward, slapping at pesky and painful bugs, forcing in fetid thick air when it got difficult to breathe. Like an anthropologist myself, determinedly highlighting passages I was hoping would uncover some mystery to the book or humanity. I'm not sure which. If Virginia Woolf had written Heart of Darkness, with editing by Jennifer Egan of A Visit from the Goon Squad, the result might be this book. Yesterday evening, discovering I had turned the final page, I groaned. Out of pain or satisfaction or surprise, I'm not sure which. And maybe I found that place of euphoria where Nell says, you think you know everything, but really you discover you know nothing. City of Dark Magic by Magnus Flight Part Thriller Part love letter to Beethoven, part sexy romp through, um, Prague. Perhaps not the first place that comes to mind in terms of clandestine trysting, but nonetheless, Prague's darkly gothic history provides a meat backdrop for the adventures of a Boston musical historian transplanted across the pond to finish the work of her recently deceased, possibly suicidal, possibly murdered, mentor in the city of a hundred spires. With the help of a young musical prodigy, a prince, and a dwarf, it might seem to have the makings of a bad joke. But Flight, a curiously mysterious auteur from the look of it, crafts a supernatural quest just this side of plausible. 
I've never encountered a seemingly magical scenario dealt quite like this one. Hell portals, the immortal beloved, and a psychedelic that reveals the past. It may have you re-examining the prescription bottles in your medicine cabinet, as well as your um, toenail clippings. The Martian by Andy Weir Mark Watney is the MacGyver of outer space. If I were stranded somewhere with only one other person, I would want that fictional character to be Mark Watney. After a dust storm, Watney's crew believes he is dead, and in the maelstrom that ensues, leaves him on Mars, alive. Now, while death is a terrifying prospect in general, the prospect of death on Mars is exponentially more terror-laden. Fortunately, Watney is not only the most resourceful and intelligent man alive, but he is also the most unabashedly positive. He logs his obstacles like an excitable teen that just got a yes from his crush for prom. But instead of, Jenny said she'd go to the prom with me, he's saying, yay, I didn't die today. Or, not low on oxygen, but the excess CO2 in the air might kill me. Gotta work that one out, lol. I'm sure much discussion of this novel will laud the irresistible natural positivity of the human spirit and the remarkable struggle that humans will make to survive. That is all true. What's more impressive to me, however, is that we're created a science-packed book largely narrated by one man stranded on Mars that I wanted to read. Having just turned the last page, I simultaneously feel an overwhelming camaraderie with humanity and also that I should have gotten three credits for a physics elective. Not for the mathematically faint of heart, Watney's plight is riddled with the periodic table and scientific formula. Translation, there are a lot of numbers. So for those of you that relate to the now considered completely sexist depiction of little Sally in the 70s picture book, pouty cheek, uncrumpled fist, sighing, math is hard, well then this may not be for you. Side note, if you're interested in learning more about the gender disparity in education, check out Still Failing at Fairness by David Sadler and Karen Zittleman, but I digress. I picked up this book considering it fiction or sci-fi, but it's kind of a worst case scenarios Mars edition. While in my limited experience of orbital mechanics and relativistic physics, I can't vouch for Weir's calculations, he does a pretty good job of applying seemingly keen scientific knowledge and creative problem solving to Watney's dire situation. The juxtaposition of an unpretentious and downright relatable writing voice and highly complicated space science make for a surprisingly interesting read. Looking back, I totally would have passed AP Physics if Watney were my instructor. But then again, maybe not. I might have been too distracted by his undermining charm to focus. The Future of Us by Jay Asher and Carolyn Mackler Remember Dial-Up? Well, so does this book. Two teens pop in their first AOL disc in 1996, and voila, they magically access their Facebook pages 15 years in the future. Imagine being 16 and seeing your 30-year-old life play out in emoticons and status updates and watching in a relationship turn to married, turn to single makes you cringe? Well, it doesn't sit well with these teens either, so they try to tamper with the present with an eye on the Facebook future. But as those of us who read enough time travel know, nothing good comes from meddling with the future. This is a darling book and a quick read, 
Though it's YA, 80s kids will dig it. There are so many rad 90s references that would slip right by today's teens who were born in, yikes, 2000. If you are nostalgic for the excitement of first discovering the internet and for the mixtape world we left behind with the advent of the digital age, check this book out. You can practically hear the AOL dial tone in its pages, underscored by Dave Matthews under the table and dreaming. Hey, thanks for listening to Flights of Fancy, books for the holiday traveler. If you need more book recommendations, ASAP, check us out at www.brennanbookblog.tumblr.com. And if you liked what you heard, tell your fellow bibliophiles. Our next episode, Heartwarming Tales for the Holiday Season, is just around the corner. So, until next time, from the Brennan Book Blog, read on. Brennan Book Blog Podcast is hosted by Oklahoma City University and is the faculty feature on the BA Live podcast channel. The Brennan Book Blog is written and created by Kate Brennan with producing engineer Gregory DeCandia. Brennan Book Blog encourages all to keep calm and read on.